Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoon. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, it's me. I'm back. I'm recording an introduction for probably the last time for a while. Um, I picked up Wilder from her last day of school, and she looked at me and said, I'm a summer grader now. It's like a cute little thing she's been saying every summer, and I felt in my heart like I want to be a summer grader. (laughs) And so it's taken me forever to even get this last um, episode for the summer up because I'm just sort of sinking into the summer steamboat lifestyle and really trying to enjoy it because it may be one of the only times in my life, it will definitely be the only time when I'm a 49-year-old mom of a summer grader that I can really do this before the next thing, <laughs> the next big career move begins in my life. And I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but I'm sure some of you can. When we have these moments, we often rush through them. And when I sold Skirt Sports a while back now, nine months or so ago, I sent a note, like an email to you guys almost immediately. I was like, what should I do next? And the resounding response from everyone was nothing, nothing right now. Don't do anything right now, Nicole. Take your time. And I thought, okay, I'll probably give myself like six months. I'm sure I'll have something going by January. (laughs) Well, January came and I was like, dang, I'm loving the ski mountain. This is fun. I'm learning a new sport. I'm, you know, I'm enjoying my first winter in Steamboat. And now I thought, well, you know, by summer, I'll have finished my book and I'll have the next thing going. And As you can imagine, (laughs) I've not finished the book and I don't have the next thing going and it feels uncomfortable. You know, this is a, a place of discomfort in some ways because I'm a person who was built to drive, to drive forward, to be productive you know, to, to make new things happen in this world that hopefully create happiness. And it does feel, it feels a little bit uncomfortable to wake up and not have something that's pushing me from the inside, something to wake up and just start doing. So I'm sinking into this discomfort. And what's really funny uh, a friend of mine is the owner of Zero X E R O Zero Footwear. His name's Steven Sashin. He's hilarious. When I start up again, I think I'm only going to do live shows. Um, if I start up again, I'm going to be honest, guys. I don't know what I'm going to do with the podcast. So over the summer, I'm going to be stewing and brewing on it. And if you absolutely need this podcast in your life or you need something from me, to provide to you on the audio level, let me know because it's been five years. I've got over 200 episodes and over 200 nuggets of beautiful life wisdom. Um, Whatever I do next with the podcast, if anything, will be different and new. 
So that's why I said I'm recording my last recorded intro. I don't plan to record intros again. We are going to just go for it if we do. Um, so wait, on that note, let me pause and just say, if you're like freaking out right now because you've listened to every single one of my episodes, you can't imagine what life will be like without Run This World, shoot me a note. I'm Nicole at NicoleDeBoom.com. Get on my social. It's just at NicoleDeBoom and send me notes and tell me what you think. And uh, if you have any thoughts or ideas on how to evolve things going forward, send those too. Otherwise, if you're like, you know, it's okay. Everything starts and everything finishes. And maybe it's time for a finish here or, you know, like we did with skirt sports, some kind of, you know, new leg of the relay. (laughs) That's okay too. I'm feeling good about it. So my point is, let me go back to Steven Session from Zero Footwear. By the way, I have an affiliate link that if you want to try yourself out some zeros, they're not sponsoring this episode, nothing like that. I freaking love their shoes and Wilder is loving their shoes. They make some great kids footwear too. Um, Just check out for my affiliate link in the notes below. Okay, so going back to Steven, he's been there, done that. He's like had business, stopped a business, started a business. And he told me when I said, I'm feeling the, the push, he goes, Here's what you do, Nicole. When you wake up in the morning and something inside you says, I got to do the next thing. I need to get up and get the next thing going. He goes, just lay there and wait for that thought to die. (laughs) Because let it go away. Because you're only going to have these very few times in your life when you have this luxury. So I'm taking that to heart. I'm going to enjoy my summer. We're going to call this a summer vacation from the podcast and uh, look forward to something new and different. Now, in the meantime, I do have a podcast that I co-host with the new owner of Skirt Sports, the amazing Sarah Ratzliff, who now owns three businesses, the Zuma Event Series, the Skirt sports, of course, and uh, momentum jewelry, which is for active women and very cool, very inspirational. So check her out. She's building a bit of an empire over there. But not only that, you should subscribe to She Runs It, the She Runs It podcast with me and Sarah. We post roughly three times a month and uh, it's hilarious and a blast. Okay, on to today's guest for episode 202. I interviewed, this is so crazy, and for those of you who are like, I don't do woo-woo stuff, you're probably going to roll your eyes, but man, she's got a story. Her name is Makosi Najezer. She also goes by the Royal Shaman. Yes, she is a shaman. What the heck is a shaman? So I was trying to, you know, we listened to her story today, and it's, wow, incredible. You've got to listen to it. Um, But the way she described shaman, she said, I am a bridge between the physical and the non-physical realm. And there are various kinds of shaman. They do various kinds of work. But the truth is what she really focuses on is helping people identify our true purpose. And believe me, I've been there. There's lots of ways to get to that true purpose. 
if you are having trouble finding your true purpose, um, following your intuition, and uh, healing things from the past, you may want to check her out. She's actually got a cool tool on her website, a cool tool. Um, It's a quiz. It's the Level of Consciousness Quiz. Um, It kind of will help you and her see where you are in your realm of consciousness, right? What level are you at? Do you really, are you aware of what's going on with yourself? Or are you just sort of plodding through the world without really being tapped in and in tune? So check out on theroyalshaman.com, the level of consciousness quiz. It's free. It's a way to sort of, I don't know, get a sense for her vibe and, and what she does. Um, You're going to love this episode, whether you do woo-woo or not, you're going to love it because it's fun. And that's one thing that as I carve out whatever it is going to be next, fun is going to be important to me. And let me tell you, I think fun takes on different meanings at different times in our life. And right now, fun is about connection. I don't plan on losing that connection to all of you. We are going to figure out how this is going to go forward, I promise. All right, everybody, on that note, it is time. Let's bring Makosi on the show. All right, let's try this again. We're here. Yay! (laughs) Makosi, I have never talked to a real live shaman before. I'm feeling all the feels. Like, I've never sat in the presence, virtual or in person, of somebody with this kind of like spiritual power. It's amazing. Oh, well, that's exciting because, um, yeah, not for all the reasons that I think most people think of. Um, I think it's going to be very fun, especially for people to hear um, because I'm just very regular. Well, yeah, because you think shaman and you're like, that person went off the deep end. What on earth made this, you know, beautiful, normal looking, regular seeming person want to get into this line of work? So I want to hear your story. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things where your dharma or your purpose, what you're the thing that you're really called here for is not something that you can think it's really something that you follow the breadcrumbs and then it kind of comes and falls in your lap. And, and part of that is because um, I really see that who each of us is here to be has never been before, right? There was a one in three trillion chance that each of us would exist. So we can't just copy what others have done in every single instance. Um, So my, my spiritual background really goes all the way back to even before I was born. So my mom actually has stories of how she um, had knowing she's also very intuitive and she had knowing about who I was going to be. She would see me in her dreams and all of those things. She knew I was a girl without even having a, an ultrasound. And when I came through from a very young age, I, I remembered who I was in the life before. And so I always had this spiritual connection, um, could really read people's energy, really be in tune and and understand how human beings work. Um, Had a few instances with spirits as a young girl. And then that blossomed, um, you know, as I started coming into becoming a teenager. Okay. Wait, we have to pause because 
we're going to miss, I have to dig into a couple of these things. If you keep going, we're not going to, we're going to keep going. <laughs> what was the life before? Yeah. So the last time that I was here um, and I came with these memories of a very specific um, temple in Egypt as a priestess, um, I even have now a, a canvas painting of that specific um, temple of Dendera. And I remember even just being little, telling my mom just weird things, like how to be sure to mummify me when I died. And I was like four. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. I have a nine-year-old and we have bought, or not bought, we have borrowed books from the library that are about like ancient Egyptian um, death practices and mummification is insane. And that is so funny that as a four-year-old, how would you even know that? It's not like you can read those books. That's right. Crazy. And no one was reading. That was not like a, a topic in any area of my, like no one in my family would have even thought to tell me those sorts of things or expose me to anything like that at all. So um, yeah, I was, a, I was a, I guess a little bit interesting as a kid. <laughs> well, so, so you said you grew up and you had some encounters with spirits, like mm -hmm. that would freak out a lot of people. Did you sort of just grow up feeling like you had, I don't know, your part of your, your aura or whatever we're going to call it in a different world while you lived here? Yeah, I think at first I, I really just didn't think much of it at all. There would just be knowings about people or, or even I would see um, specifically a lot of animal spirits when I was like eight, nine, 10 ish. And I just didn't think anything because no, there was no one like telling me, oh, that's weird. Um, and also there, I wasn't really talking about it back then, believe it or not, I was mostly to myself. Um, didn't fit in very well back in those days. Um, and so I really kind of kept to myself. It wasn't until I was like 12 or 13, um, someone gifted me a tarot deck and I just started, I just started reading people without anyone teaching me how to do it. I just intuitively started reading that, um, in middle school, <laughs> which school. I'm sure made you fit in even better. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting phase. Um, eventually I, I got out of that, but I started to develop this intuition and this knowing about people. And then all of that really culminated when I was 15 and um, my best friend was murdered and she was still technically alive. Um, so she was shot on a Friday and she was still technically alive, but, but brain dead. And her mother... So I'm at the hospital and um, so much was going on. And her mother had to make the decision of whether to keep her on life support or to pull the plug. And that decision really was um, weighed heavy on because she was, she was pregnant. So I had to come in and be the one to tell our mom that she was pregnant. And um she was still pretty early and it would have been a really long period of time of her being on life support. So that Saturday, the next day they pulled the plug 
And so um, I had been staying the night with another friend that lived close to the hospital. And so I went back home that night, um, a few hours after they had pulled the plug and I got ready for bed and it was maybe eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock and I'm, I'm 15. So I'm not in bed really. <laughs> right, right. And right. I lie down in my bed and she appeared at the end of my bed just as plain as day she was there and she just laughed because I started pinching myself. <laughs> I started pinching myself and like blinking really hard because I thought I was hallucinating or asleep or something. And she laughed, but there was no audible sound. I could just see her laughing. And then she told me, but telepathically, not moving her mouth, that she had come to let me know that she was okay and that she was moving on. And then she just kind of just kind of dissolved. And I haven't seen her in this realm since then. I've seen her a few times in, in dream time, but at that moment, after that, I was like, Oh, okay. So like, I'm really (laughs) like, I'm for real seeing spirits. I'm not just, you know, seeing something out of the corner of my eye or just kind of imagining something. Cause I had this very, very real raw experience. And then after that, it just got, went to such a whole other level of seeing other types um, of spirits, but that's not the only way that I interact with them. Um, I can, I can feel sometimes I hear, sometimes it's just a knowing, sometimes it's a movie that kind of just plays through my third eye. There's a lot of different things that can happen. So you're 15 years old and you had this kind of encounter and it didn't make you go crazy. Like it actually opened you up. It did. However, I did not realize that I was not going crazy (laughs) at the time. So a few years prior to that, actually, so I had some a lot of um, trauma as a child being um, molested and then also um, an experience of um, being taken advantage of as well. And her death really started my mind thinking about how we have patterns and like how she had got to this place of seeing this guy who would kill her. And I'm seeing similar kinds of guys and how I was behaving based off of all of the things I just started. I was like, wait, how and why, and what is, what is the meaning of all of this? And so um, I had told my mom um, around maybe a little bit before that about um, the molestation over a few years and da, 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 da. And she um, allowed me to go see a psychologist um, and that at first was okay until then, then I was referred out to, uh, see a psychiatrist and immediately was like, Oh, here's some drugs. And, uh, and those drugs really messed me up. Just, I was not myself. Weird things were happening to my body. I could barely get out of bed or function. So I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> not going to go that way. And I really just went all in around 16 ish 
um, all into like psychology, personal development, um, anything that I could get my hands on really from the, from the library or, you know, videos and lots of self exploration very early. Oh my gosh. I mean, most 16 year olds are like super self-centered, um, focused on getting a Jeep, you know, like driving, going to parties, doing all the stuff, maybe starting to think about college. And here you were uncovering like major traumas that most people I know don't start to uncover till they're like 40. And they look back and go, yeah, there's something I'm stuck on. And then they finally unravel it. Like, wow, what a journey. And, you know, I did read about you that you guys did not grow up with a lot of money and have a lot of resources. You're trying not to become a statistic, which theoretically your best friend, you know, at, pregnant at 15 was on her way to potentially becoming whatever becoming a statistic means. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know how you transcended that. I mean, you, you must've had some kind of inner strength this is what I'm feeling at least and what I'm picking up that I just don't know anyone at that age um, who could tap into that. Yeah. I, I definitely attribute a lot of it to um, there had to be some level of just resilience that I innately came with. Um, and even to just be open enough to explore that when I didn't really have you know, my mom was not facilitating any of that sort of thing. My father wasn't around. Um, it really was just part of who part of who I am and who I was that I um, became very aware and and from a very young age, um, even when I was um, thirteen, a lot of the the questioning even began a little bit around that time because um, one of the boys that had that molested me um, actually reached out to me and apologized and I'm like 13 and um, and and I had already by that point forgiven him and that surprised me that I had already gotten to that level that stage. But then it also opened up another level of inquiry as to, well, how did he get to that place? And what, what was he experiencing? And what did he see that could have resulted in him behaving that way? That's a conversation that um, I will occasionally talk about. No one wants to talk about how perpetrators become <laughs> perpetrators, yeah. but- um, on one hand, I see the potential in all of us. And then on the other side, I also see, um, how, how easy it is for us to become perpetrators of, of traumatizing each other. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Wow. And you know what else I'm feeling is like, you could have just said, well, I'm a very empathetic person. I'm an empath and left it at that, you know, because, you, that's innate in you. I, I mean, just by the nature that you had already moved past your own trauma in a sense to forgive someone else when you were so young, you're definitely thinking outside of your own body. 
Yeah. Yeah. Now that you're saying it that way, it definitely makes sense. But I also think as well, um, part of my coping mechanism, whenever my, my best friend was killed was, um, I did a year of, I won't say it was complete silence because I did speak to, um, my family, but I was very like before this incident, I was very involved in school. Um, I wouldn't say that I was like the most popular, but by then I had figured out how to like be cool with everyone. Um, I had been the, like the homecoming um, attendant my freshman year. So this is like my sophomore year, show choir, all of that. And that incident had me pull back and I just kind of pulled back for a year and really kept to myself. And I didn't really like fully come out of that again. I was kind of still like in this cocooning phase of exploration and wondering like, what are we here for? Why do we go through these things? And I of course still had school, but that was really, I mean, I'm looking over here on my bookshelf at my very first, (laughs) my very first um, personal development book I got when I was 16 and it's Matthew Kelly's the seven levels of intimacy. (laughs) I love that. I mean, you were, you were digging deep. Yeah. Wow. Um, Because intimacy is a big loaded word and I believe it kind of starts with ourselves. What do you think? Oh, for sure. It has to do so much with um, how we love and accept ourselves fully. And, I went for that book around intimacy because I realized that I had been seeking outside of myself um, a a certain love and attention and um, connection with the external. And that was when I really started to realize actually all of this is happening inside. God, this is so crazy. So, let's move your life forward a little. So you, you were tapped into something pretty unique. I mean, you said at the beginning, I mean, we're all 100% unique. Nobody has, there's no blueprint we can follow to discover why we're here and what our true purpose is. But what path did you end up taking? Did you like become the shaman then, or did you go to college and do the thing? (laughs) Yeah. So even at that stage, um, because I was so hell bent on not being a statistic, my mom was a single teen mom of two. Um, also my father was not around. So I was also looked at as like the child that's going to save the family. So <laughs> <laughs> what about your brother? Yeah, no, it was not pressed on him. I was the oldest. Um, <laughs> Lots of younger brothers, but it was like, oh, this one is the one who is going to definitely make something of herself. And so there was pressure. No one really cared what it was, but um, I kind of was like, well, what's the hardest thing that you can do? And I like science. All right, I'm going to become I'm going to become a doctor. That only happened. Of course, for me, it was just like be the top, be a high achiever. So that was how I had just been functioning. And then a few different uh, (laughs) majors later, I ended up um, majoring or 
really, I was pre-med, but I ended up with a business and a marketing management degree at the same time. I got two degrees, but was taking electives to be, to be pre-med. And so I went the, the college route, but because of uh, my family situation, I was working through, through college. So I was like, still, I was in business and, and in sales and all these different things happening. And the whole time that's happening, I'm still having this like spiritual unfolding. And there would be time, like periods of time where I would be seeing spirits intensely, or I would not be able to sleep at certain times of the night. Um, and I started to realize when my son was born in my senior year that I just had been going down this path kind of like out of rebellion of not wanting to be a statistic. It wasn't what I actually wanted. And so here I have this baby who I really, it was very difficult for me to get pregnant. It took me over a year. Um, of trying to get pregnant, lots of different treatments. And then I struggled to stay pregnant. And then when I had him, um, I ended up with postpartum preeclampsia and was in the hospital for like five days. And here I have this boy who probably was going to be my only child. And I was like, I don't want to go to med school and be away from him. This like might be my only shot at this whole being a mom thing. And it was coming much earlier than I had planned because of my, um, because of fertility issues. And so I was like, well, you know what, I'm going to just like, I'm just going to go with this and follow what feels in alignment with me right now. Like forget what everybody else says. I want to be a mom. And whatever I have to do to like be a mom, but like a stay at home mom, that was really what I wanted. So I graduated from college, ended up working at Target for a brief period of time as a manager. I was like, nope, still having to drop him off at daycare. And then that got me into direct sales. Okay, pause. We have to pause. So were you in a relationship at this time? Yes. So I've been with my now husband, but we've been together for 12 years. Okay. And, um, you're in college and you mentioned fertility issues. So did you find out that at some point here in some regular checkup or through something else that it might be hard for you to conceive? So you were like, I got to do this now. Cause it sounded, sounds like there was a little bit of urgency. Um, and maybe during, uh, college <laughs> wasn't, like you said, that wasn't really the plan. It was sooner than I thought. And it sounds like you actually had to try really hard. So I'm just kind of imagining you were told like, you may not be able to have a kid. And it triggered this whole, like, I must have a kid. I am meant to be a mom or something like that. So tell me yeah. if I'm totally off base. No, that, that is exactly what happened. So I got my cycle very well. I don't know if it's considered early anymore, but um, at 10 years old, Mm-hmm. My cycle started. And from the very beginning, I had problems. From the very beginning, I was having to take two days off of school every most months um, because the pain was so intense. And I got on birth control very early to try and like mitigate the heaviness and the and the pain. Um, but I was ultimately um, officially diagnosed with endometriosis and and polycystic 
ovarian syndrome. And so I kept going like by this time, I'm what, 23 ish, 23, 24. And, um, I was having increased problems, so many problems. And I was getting, um, like the, the chocolate filled cysts putting me in the hospital and my doctor had been my mother's gynecologist and had done her hysterectomy when she was only like 36 and it had been the worst case that he had ever seen. And so he was like, based on, he took her uterus and everything at 36. She didn't start her cycle till she was 15. And my symptoms, my experience was much worse than even what she was experiencing. And he was like, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to wait until you're 32. That was was in my mind. I was like, I'm going to be 32 when I start having kids. Um, (laughs) Perfect age. Exactly. Yeah. I'll get out and like build a career and have a house and do the whole, do it the right way, quote unquote. And um, I laugh at that now. But by that point, he had, you know, my husband, like we had already been engaged and we had been together for some years living together. And he was like, listen, you know, you, you probably only have a, a pretty short window, probably by five years is kind of stretching it even for, for this, I would suggest like trying within the next two. And so um, I immediately got off of the birth control and we started trying and there was of course the birth control issues, but then I kept having the cyst problems and other issues came back because I had gotten off the birth control. So yeah, it was a very, it was like, well, if you, if you think that you would ever want to be a mother in this way, right. In this way, cause there was always the option of adopting, but if you want to be a mother in this way and have that experience that this is probably the window. And I was, in college (laughs) Uh at that time. Um, Yes, working and had a place of my own. I've I've pretty much lived on my own since the after I like the day after I turned 18. But it was kind of a a moment of, well, here's your window. Yeah, it just turns your preconceived notions of what you said, like the perfect time, you know, setting things up a lot of people get stopped in their tracks because they just try to, they want to define and identify this perfect moment in time for a lot of things in life. And Mm -hmm. having kids is one of those big ones. So, you know, I, I imagine too, like you were still undergoing this sort of, I think you called it a spiritual unfolding. And I know that that hadn't been flushed out clearly, but did you and maybe this transcends this one experience, but have you ever, or at that age, were you able to use your connection with this other realm to help you make decisions? Um, I would not say that I intentionally was, but there was just a knowing at that point. There was just a knowing and maybe it's connected to the, to the resilience, but I really was just like, you know what? It might not be what everyone thinks is the perfect way, but we're going to, we're going to figure this out and 
I'm going to be okay. I promise myself that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to find a way to be okay. And that was really the extent of it then. However, um, I did have like, so the whole developing postpartum preeclampsia, that was a, an acute experience of spirit saving my life. So, um, I had my son on a Friday and they sent me home. Mm, it was by C-section. So they try to give you 48 hours before they release you, but they released me early. And, um, literally not even two days later, I heard a voice. It was maybe four o'clock in the morning and a voice said, get up, get dressed, go to the hospital calm, no urgency, but also no reason. So I didn't have, I didn't, there was nothing like wrong with me, but I heard this voice. And so I sat right up and I start getting dressed and my husband turns on the light. He's like, what are you doing? What, what's going on? And I said, I don't know, but something just told me to get up and get dressed and go to the hospital. So we need to go to the hospital right now. And luckily I have the best husband in the world. He didn't question it. He didn't argue with me. He was like, all right. So he gets dressed. (laughs) We get, get the baby together and go to the hospital. And as soon as they put that blood pressure cuff on me, they put me right back into the emergency um, area and started pumping, pumping me full of um, magnesium because my Uh, blood pressure was so high that I was already in like the comatose levels. I should not have been able to even be sitting there. And at that that point, I was starting to get some headache. Um, But if I had continued that way, maybe even another hour, if I had questioned it, even just a little bit, I might not even be sitting here right now. So that was at, at that moment. And I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) I'm listening. I'm listening. You have my attention. I don't know who or what you are, but I'm, I'm going with this. I think that's such an important point. And for a lot of people, they might not think like I'm listening to a spirit voice, but I'm listening to my inner voice, you know, my gut, whatever it is. So yeah, we can't ignore those those voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. Um, your story's so fun. So fun to uh, to like you know pull apart. So you mentioned um, we're gonna fast forward again. Direct marketing. Mm-hmm. So you became kind of a hot shot. You were like you climbed the ranks at at a prominent direct marketing company. Can you talk about? what company it was and what you did or your path to get there? Yeah. So, um, while I was working at target, um, I went to this pure romance party, uh, for anyone who isn't familiar with pure romance, it is all things, um, adult pleasure and fun relationship enhancing. (laughs) And so I went to this party and it had, it was not the first party that I had been to. Um, and I had a blast And this was something that I guess because I matured so early, women had always just asked me questions about sex, sexuality, 
their bodies. I just knew a lot. I also used to stay up watching Talk Sex with Sue Johansson when I was a teenager. Um, I just loved her to death. Probably kind of awkward for my mom. Uh, <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But um, so I literally went to that party and I just, again, I kind of just had this knowing and I came home and told my husband and I said, look, I really don't like to do this whole dropping our son off, dropping Aiden off at daycare. And I only, I did the math and, you know, the, the daycare and the driving and all of these expenses. I'm like, I only need to make about $1,500 a month in order for this to be for, in order for me to stay home. And he was like, all right. I said, worst case scenario, I just go back to work. Right. So I literally bought my kit on Friday, put in my two weeks notice on Monday and I went all in and I don't recommend anyone do that because <laughs> it was terrifying and I almost failed. Um, so the first few months it was, I, I did all right, but it was going nowhere fast. And I hit, that was in like February. So June, I had nothing on the books. Nothing was happening. And I was like, oh crap, I'm going to have to go back to work. If, if something doesn't happen soon, I'm going to have to go back to work. So I, I need to get resourceful. So I went to, you know, in, in those, your uplines always having some kind of training. And I went to my uplines upline who was on the board in that company. And I said, listen, I'm not going back to work. So I, if you, I said, I promise you, if you just take a few minutes out of your time and you just tell me what to focus on, tell me what, what to actually do that I will do it. No questions asked. And I'm going to be one of the best on your team. And so she gave me a few things to do. And then I didn't ask questions. I just went out there and I did it. And before I knew it from that, I think it was maybe the beginning of July when I met with her, July to that September. So just a few months, I blew up to one of the boards in the company, won a free trip to Vegas, of course, and cash bonus for Christmas time. Like I hit it early. And so that was when I realized Oh, okay. So all those years of dabbling in sales and um, I had done a few little network marketing or direct sales companies before, but not gotten to that level. I was like, yeah, I can do this whole, this whole thing. And so I was blessed and I have not had an actual job job. I almost had one. We could talk about that as well, but I have not had a job job since then. And that was, I don't know, 2000, probably early 2014 when I quit. Which is amazing because you've been controlling your path. Yes. In a sense. So, you know, what was your goal at that time? Was it like happiness? Were you just seeking money? Were you looking for some kind of truth? Yeah. For me, um, it was a, it was a mix of multiple things. The main thing was I wanted to be the absolute best wife and mom that I could be. That was really it for me at that time. I was so focused on, and I know that that does not sound sexy in 2021, 
where, where it's like, I wanted to be a good wife and a good mom, but I really, um, I have an amazing husband, adore him and a wonderful child. And at that point in time, I was like, I have my whole life ahead of me, but I have this little window of time with this one child. I, by the way, I still have not had a child since then. So I, I played it well, but I was like, I just want to like become my best self. And so in the process of becoming my best self, that bled over into how I was running my business, how I was recruiting team members in my, in my direct sales business. I, I was a top recruiter multiple times as well. And that really was like the catalyst for my spiritual journey when that popped up. Well, yeah. I mean, if everything was going so great, you had just like skyrocketed to success. I assume you're having big financial success as well. What made you wake up? Yeah. <laughs> I realized that this is like kind of part two of the whole, oh, I'm chasing X, Y, Z. I'm chasing success. That's based on what everyone else says. So here I was, I skyrocketed to the top of this company. And of course, in direct sales, being at the top of the company is like, free trips, it's designer handbags, it's cash bonuses, it's, you know, prestige and like being shouted out on stage and all of that stuff. And I realized like, well, this can't be it. This can't be all that I was, because that was kind of fast. <laughs> right? It's like, you know, honestly, in my previous life, I was a pro athlete. And when you win a big race, there is both massive joy and like a feeling of, I can't believe I surpassed my greatest expectation, but then there's also a letdown because reality sinks in and you're like, okay, now what? Now I have to do it again. Mm -hmm. So is that very similar? It, I mean, it sounds like it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I realized that even though I had gotten out of the corporate path that I was headed towards, that I was still goal chasing and that I wasn't allowing myself to like be fully present and fully fulfilled in the now that I was just chasing goal after goal after goal after goal. And so then that I went back to that question that I had when I was a teenager of like, what is all this for? Why am I here? What, what does it all mean? And I still had, you know, on, on the outside, I'm sure it looked great married kid, you know, being in the top of, uh, a, one of the, uh, top direct sales companies that even exists. And still there was this knowing that I was being called for something more that I wasn't quite in, in alignment with my, with my Dharma. What I'm can we, for. can we talk about goals for a minute? Yeah. I mean, is there something wrong with having goals? You, cause we talk about chasing goals and, but it makes it sound like they aren't, they aren't getting you, you know, pleasure or happiness or fulfillment. Yeah. No, I don't think that there's anything wrong with having goals or vision for yourself that exists out ahead of you, which is something that's exciting to look forward to. Um, it's just that most of us also miss the piece. So I think it should be both and 
that you allow yourself to be abundant, happy now, and also allowing yourself to become the kind of person that this goal naturally happens to. So it's a, it's a both and versus I'm not going to be happy until I hit that. Or my value is based on hitting that goal. Mm, Or when I I hit that, I'll be worthy and deserving of Mm. blank. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, it seems like a stretch to be like, okay, so I kind of woke up and then I was like, I'm not sure if, why am I still here? And then suddenly you're a shaman. Like, hello, you know, that's not like a normal, <laughs> a normal path that people, you know, I think take when they, when they have that realization. So how did shamanism enter your life? Yeah. So in the midst of all of, all of that, the, the trips and the, you know, fabulousness um, of everything I came across, there was a lot of really interesting synchronicities that unfolded. And I ended up connecting with this um, mystery school that was started by an ancient Egyptian or Dogon. If you ever get into that, you can understand how the Dogon were connected with the, with um, ancient Egypt. But the school was started by um, a Dogon priest from West Africa who had come to um, the U.S. And I ended up just happening <laughs> through some crazy synchronicities, meeting people in this um, organization. And they were like, oh, we're getting ready to start another um, round of initiation. We open it like once a year. And, you know, they off- offered me the opportunity. And of course, my husband thought it was crazy. Uh, cause it made zero sense. He's like, well, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> and I was like, I literally told him, I was like, I just think that this exploration is going to help me to become the best mom and wife and human that, that I can be. And because I had that connection with ancient Egypt and I walked into, into that space and I just had this knowing for the first time, like I'm in the right place at the right time this is what all of that craziness was about. And so I entered into that initiation. Um, I was one of nine in that initiatic class. I was the only one who finished in my generation. And I was in that for three years. And that offered me the opportunity to really deconstruct and decondition how I was viewing the world, really the paradigm or the lens through which I was seeing everything and offering me the ability to see a very different way and really see how our ancestors viewed things and and why and how the non-physical realm works and traditional principles and all of these things. And of course, in that process, we're getting what are called divinations, which is a a specific kind of reading that assists in not only helping you see to who who you are, but also identifies root issues. And so at the root of certain energetic issues was this calling to be a priestess or to to become a shaman in this life. 
And of, of course, I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, that's something you do when you're when you're 50, you know, like after I've <laughs> finished the whole business thing and like my son's grown up, then I'll do that. And I just kept having all of these um, health issues that were increasingly getting worse as I kept denying who I was here to be. And so um, after that initiation, which we finishes up by getting a name. So that was when I became Hafisa Najezer. Um, Najezer meaning the protector and advocate of the holy. And when I got that name, I was like, oh, wow, like, this is not something that I do in my last days. This is really like who I'm here to be in this life now. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So when you opened up, embraced and accepted who you were here to be was like, the lights from the heavens shone on you and, you know, um, did your health issues stop getting worse? Like did, did all those things just, I don't know, verify that this was it? Yeah. So all of the health issues that tend to come along with a shamanic calling, um, really serve to keep you on your toes so that you will not just be like, oh, okay. It, it almost becomes like a life or death situation where you don't, you have a choice, but you don't really have a choice. I really didn't have a choice. It was like, I could not continue living that way. So it actually all came to fruition. I had a, I ended up having a dream of my teacher um, a year before I met her, which was very confusing to me because we look like sisters. So when she popped up in my dream and I have no sisters, I was like, well, that was weird. Um, was, she, was I teaching myself in my dream? Um, but then I had this experience one day where I had this severe migraine and I was just so done with it. I was so tired of all of it. And I said out loud, I said, ancestors, spirits, like whoever is listening right now, I'm done with this. And so whatever I have to do, like whatever I have to give up, however much money, however far I need to go, by the way, by this time I had already been traveling back and forth to Africa. I was like, whatever I have to do, I will do it. And as soon as I said, I will do it, my phone went bing and it was her. (laughs) It was my spiritual teacher. And she goes, are you, are you a healer? And I laughed and I said, well, I'm, I'm not yet, but I know that I'm, that I'm here to be one in some capacity. And it all just unfolded from there. I ended up, you know, checking in with things, started my initiation, um, with through, you know, with her. And that was a series of like seven ceremonies. Um, all of it wrapped up relatively quickly because I had so many years of already, I had already been fasting. I had already been training. I had already been, um, developing myself. I've been wearing all white and sleeping on the floor and all of these things that were necessary in that other initiation, which filtered over into this initiation. So, um, all in all, I had been in training. It it was over about five years 
before I finished and then, you know, gained the title Makosi or um, also could be called Gogo as well. Wow. Okay. So can we talk about what a shaman does? It sounds like you heal, but from my understanding, you know, there's another level healing, I think can come in all forms, right? But then there's this other level, maybe they're tied together of helping people figure out their true purpose, which is honestly, if we just had to summarize the last 45 minutes, it was your path to finding your true purpose. Yes. So you help people do that. You, you're a healer. Like, is that, is that what a shaman does? Um, it can be one aspect, really a shaman is just the bridge between the physical and the non-physical realm. And, um, there are many different kinds of shamans. Um, I use the word shaman only because that is what it is known and understood as here, but in each culture or each tradition, we have specific names and titles for this kind of role. And then even in the lineage that I initiated into the Zulu of South Africa, there are multiple different kinds. So a lot of people think that a shaman has to do with plant medicine. And actually um, we have two separate. So we have an herbalist who studies plants that takes a long period of time. They do an apprenticeship, but they're dealing mostly with the physical aspects of the plant medicine. And then we have, um, a Sangoma, which is what I am initiated as a Sangoma. Um, I'm actually initiated as in a few titles, but a Sangoma may use plant medicine, but we also utilize most of our medicines done through trance work. Um, we can um, divine issues with someone and see the solutions for them. Um, we may or may not use plants. So I actually don't really even utilize plant medicine. Um, I've used it for myself, some in my initiation and in healing over time. But um, I'm also um, what they would call a prophet. Um, So I, the prophet is essentially one who uses water, candles, prayer, um, from in my case, Uh, visualization. So that's one method of my gifting. And they would also call me what's called a Sanusi. And so a Sanusi, that's one of the more rare kinds. And the role of the Sanusi is like to reveal that which is hidden. And that has to do with like what happens on a societal level. So our concern is really on like a cultural level creating systems, culture, practices, et cetera, for large numbers of people. So if anyone's paid attention to kind of my track, I did start off working with people more intimately, but that's not really my calling. And so I am more and more, I'm taking almost no clients one-on-one now. And most of my work is in this much bigger way. And that's not to say that one is more important. We don't, we don't have that concept of like, oh, it's a hierarchy, meaning one is more important. There's just a hierarchy in, in how things are structured, but each level is valuable in their own way. Got it. Okay. 
So pretty much everyone listening is probably like, I might be close to my true purpose. Or some people are probably like, I have no idea why I was put here on this earth. So let's just talk real quick about what could they expect if they were to work with you on how they might find that purpose. Yeah. So the way in which that I work with people is to help them to get out of having their, their ego or their mind being the one leading them and be able to surrender and allow their spirit through the voice of intuition and through experiences and triggers and realizations that happen in real time, allow those to be the things that guide you where your spirit is trying to go. So if you try to get in your head too much and create a cre- create the life of your dreams, well, part of why people get to their dreams and are so miserable is because they've created something that actually is not in alignment with who they're really here to be. So Ooh, if you allow one. yourself to have things unfold, usually it is beyond what you could even have imagined for yourself. And that is not even just on a physical level. It is on an emotional level, spiritual level, mental level as well. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, awesome. So what is one thing we can all do today to help us get closer to our potential? Mm. I love, so I read um, Darren Hardy's book, The Compound Effect, okay. some years back. And uh, I apply that to our spiritual development because he talks about it in terms of money or productivity and blah, blah, blah. But I actually see it as helping to unfold your potential and your purpose, your dharma here. So what I invite everyone to do is to just focus on 1% a day. So listening to your spirit in small incremental ways, feeling very safe because the the ego (laughs) really wants you to be safe. If you just try and like upend your life all at once, uh, you likely will crash and burn. But if you start with just very little ways, intuitive eating is a really great place. If, if, um, if you don't have a history of, um, you know, any, any eating disorders or anything like that, but how you eat or how you move your body or, um, what you feel like doing that day and allow yourself just a little bit of space to intuitively be guided to, well, what movement would feel good in my body today instead of, oh, I have to work out for 45 minutes, lifting weights in this exact order, because that's, what's going to get me abs. That's what's going to get me to the goal of abs. Well, what if your higher self doesn't want to have abs in this life, right? Like what, what if that's (laughs) not the experience that is going to actually fulfill you? But if you allow your spirit to guide you, it will be the one. And I'm saying your spirit, you could look at this as just your higher, your, your knowing your higher self. I really don't care what you call it. Um, (laughs) But allowing that to be, 
to have some some say and some some sway in the the decisions that you're making. And over time, you begin to notice that those things start to work out way better for you than when you try and overanalyze and overthink everything. It, it just reminds me of like the banging your head against the wall syndrome, you know, because then theoretically you're setting yourself up to fail. If you're supposed to do, you've set a construct that you're supposed to do some certain thing at a certain time every day. And if you don't do it, then you won't get this. Well, chances are you may not get that. And then you'll blame yourself because you didn't do it exactly perfect. Mm-hmm. Instead of letting yourself be guided by your own self. Yes. And there's so much freedom that we have to start giving ourselves in order to do that because we like we have to give our give ourselves so much grace because we've been taught, educated, indoctrinated from a very young age that there is a right way to be or that there is a um, that there's an ideal life. Like, for example, I just got my my entire family's um, Vedic astrology. I love Vedic. And we could talk about that maybe another time, but in it, it talks about how myself, my husband and my son all incarnated here to have the experience of moving around a lot of travel. Right. And I was thinking about how unfulfilled and miserable we would be if we tried to live the quintessential, like, Oh, we have to get a house. We have to settle down. Like none of us are here for that. So if it, that's something kind of small, imagine how many ways we are actually limiting ourselves because of how we think we should be or we have to be. Yes, that is such a great point. And you're super uncomfortable and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it, like you said, has to do with the fact that other people have created some kind of rules that we think we need to follow. And when we can break free of that and tap into ourselves and follow our own guiding rules, it's just opens so much, opens up so much. Um, You know, for people to get started with you, you actually have a really fun and quick little quiz. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So one of the greatest tools that you need, even before you can begin listening to your intuition, is the gift and the development of your level of consciousness or your level of awareness, because intuition is a very quiet voice. So I do have for everyone the opportunity to take my level of consciousness quiz. It's completely free. And there is a custom bonus activation that will help you to expand your awareness depending on the level that you're operating at now. And they can get that through your website at theroyalshaman.com. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I took it. I'm a channeler and I watched the activation. I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Um, Tell me in your words, tell me a little more about being a channeler because now I'm going to use this for my own like therapy session. Thank you very much. (laughs) So the channel is actually one of the last levels. So the, the very last level is the infinite and the channel is right before the infinite. And so the channel is when you're operating at a level of consciousness where it feels like the universe, God, source, ancestors, spirits, whatever you call that is working with you. When it's working 
when it's working with you or through you. So the channel is it's working through you. It's almost like um, you can begin to experience flow at this stage. You have moments of flow where it feels like everything is just working through you and um, there's much less resistance and you start to find that certain situations come up in your life, but it doesn't feel so much as you're the victim to what's happening to you. Yes. Awesome. Oh my gosh. You guys need to get some of this. So royalshaman.com, check out the level of consciousness quiz. And then, I mean, beyond that, there's just tons of ways people can work with you. And I mean, I think if, if people are really stuck and wondering why they're here and they're feeling it in their gut and they're having discomfort, sometimes physical discomfort, like you even said, like this is a good time to explore. So I it think is. it's really, really timely to have you on the show today. Um, we rocked it. This is great. I really, is there anything else you want to share before I ask you the final question I ask all my guests? Mm. Yeah, the only thing that's really coming through right now is just for everyone to hold on to hope because every single one of us came here for a reason. And we have to shift this idea of our purpose being something that we do and understand that our purpose or our dharma is who we are here to be. And who we are here to be infiltrates what we do but it's not limited to, oh, I should be in this career or, oh, I should have this business. It's how can I bring my full expression out into the world in service to the highest good, others, the expansion of, and the, the evolution of humanity. Well, then you might've answered my final question here, but I love how you stopped and went within for a minute to think about this. All right. Well then I'm going to, I love that, by the way. I think it's it's amazing and very fitting. And especially right now in the middle of a pandemic and all the things that we're dealing with. But all right, so here goes. If you can now leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Yeah, and I said it, but I'm going to say it again. Follow your intuition. It may not make sense and it's not supposed to. You're tapping into knowledge that goes beyond what your mind can even comprehend. So don't even try. Follow your intuition. Wonderfully put. Thank you so much. This was truly a joy for me today. Thank you so much for having me. I, I feel like we went deep. And we covered a whole life, um, but I know that there's some nuggets in there that can be really useful. Absolutely. And to everyone listening, follow your breadcrumbs. That's how Makosi did it. <laughs> All right, you guys, what do you think? Are you tapping into your root issues? Are you thinking about... Some of these concepts like, are you chasing success based on what everyone else says success is? Um, think about this. 
no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter how tapped into yourself. We talked about and and mentioned a quote, which is, I'm in the right place at the right time. Don't you ever forget it. No matter where you are, what you're doing, and how much you're struggling, you are in the right place at the right time for your purpose on this planet. If you want to dig a little deeper into what that purpose is, check out theroyalshaman.com. If you feel Makosi's energy is calling to you, check out theroyalshaman.com. And if you just want to play around and see what she has to offer, do the level of consciousness quiz on, you got it, theroyalshaman.com. And now at this time, I am going to say thank you for listening. We've got 202 episodes plus a bunch of mile repeats. So there's probably closer to 210 episodes on the Run This World with Nicole DeBoom podcast. Let me be a summer grader. I'm going to go be a summer grader and I am going to enjoy this beautiful season in my new hometown, Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Um, And while I do that... Go back and listen from the beginning. You don't even have enough days in the summer to listen to all these episodes. Um, I got to say, when I went back and listened to the beginning, I was freaking psyched. This podcast is truly one of the greatest gifts that I've given myself over the past five years. And I cannot wait to see what I do next with it. How fun is that? All right, everyone, I hope you can't wait to see what you're going to do next. (laughs) But for now, just know that I hold you in my heart. You are part of my community. You're part of my life. Thank you for the connection. Thank you for the love and thank you for the support. And now let's get out there and be summer graders together. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Signing off for now.